0: So many of us are just like, you know what, I'm just going to say what I want to say and do what I want to do and and talk about that. And I, I think it's so important because that's the only way that anything changes is by actually doing something about it. You can't just sit back and hope someone else does it for you. And I think that's very much what our generation has realized.
1: Welcome to the Put Yourself First podcast, inspiring conversations with badass women Empowering you to make time for your personal goals and put yourself first. Hi everyone, welcome to this week's interview with Alia Morrow. Alia has just released her first book, The Greater Freedom, Life as a Middle Eastern Woman Outside the Stereotypes. You can now get it on paperback on Amazon in the UK and on Kindle and you can pre-order internationally too. So make sure you head to the show notes, I will link all the links you need to know wherever you are in the world to get the book because I think it's such an important read. I'm digging into mine and loving it. Today we dive into more of the themes in the book around stereotypes, feminism, identity Alia is Egyptian, born in Cairo and grew up in London. So we discuss the stereotypes around what it means to be a, what it means to be Muslim, what it means to be a woman, what it means to be Western, what it means to be Middle Eastern. And there's just so much food for thought around breaking down taboos, breaking down stereotypes and stigma, and having real life difficult awkward conversations around these topics. So really important one today and we hope you enjoy it. Hi everyone, welcome back to Put Yourself First and welcome to my guest today. Say hello,
0: introduce yourself. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm Aya Burrow and I'm author of soon to be released The Greater Freedom, um, which is out worldwide on Amazon.
1: I'm so looking forward to getting my copy. I think this book is so needed these conversations are so needed especially amongst like, women in the UK and i'm just really excited to dive into a chat today about your story and feminism identity and some really important stuff
0: thank you i'm so excited it's been it's been really amazing to sort of see the response just on social media so far just from what i've been saying about the book i think it goes to show that it really is It really is needed, so I'm really excited to be contributing to the conversation.
1: Let's go back as far back as you want to go. Um, where does your story with all of this begin? Because I know this book is a bit of like a bit of a memoir for you, would you say?
0: Yeah, so it's it's, um, part memoir, part cultural commentary. So I've essentially used my life experiences to kind of explore being Egyptian and being raised in London and, you know, the kind of similarities in cultures and the differences in cultures and how to sort of find your way when sometimes you're being told two very different things. Um, I'm a journalist originally, so I've been writing for quite a long time now, I'd say maybe almost 10 years professionally. Um, and I used to write about all sorts of things. Like when I first started writing, I did a lot of music journalism and then I did some fashion and then I started to do more and more social commentary. I think like, as I kind of got braver with my voice, if you know what I mean, um, or sort of felt more comfortable with what it was I was trying to say. And then it must've been maybe two, just over two years ago. So it really feels like it's been a lifetime, um, where I kind of thought I really have to sort of explore this identity thing cuz it was never really anything that i thought not thought about cuz obviously i guess i kind of did but it wasn't anything that i ever thought of writing about i kind of just thought i'm human and like i'm telling human stories and that's true but i think because of sort of the state of the world and you know everyone really othering each other in many ways and you know the first thing i think that made me want to write the book is i was in a in a taxi in an uber and he was like, oh, where are you from? And I was like, um, I'm Egyptian. And he was like, what? And he, he, he couldn't believe it. He was like, I thought you were Spanish because Arab women are always veiled. And I was like, wow, you're really missing a whole side of life here. Um, and that was one of the first things that really made me realize how important it was to kind of, yeah, contribute to, to the conversation of what it means to be an Arab woman or a Muslim woman, especially living in the West.
1: yeah and tackling the stereotypes like you've just shared there as a perfect example of that like instant surface level judgment of someone based on what you think they should be
0: yeah and there's so many minor examples of that like even growing up I I was always out clubbing and you know drinking and all the rest of it my family drink all my friends drink it was never a thing and people would be like oh well if you're if you're Muslim then how come you're drinking or whatever and from really early on that sort of made me shy away from from saying or thinking or having anything to do with being Muslim because I was like well you guys automatically have all of these assumptions people from within and outside the culture to be honest um so I was like well if 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 this is what you think it means and then then I'm not that so it kind of even gave me imposter syndrome with who I am and what my religion is supposed to be because actually you're just born into your religion in, in, in Islam.
1: Can we talk about like the pressures on young women specifically, young Muslim women specifically, or even you know women from all different cultures who are mixed race living in the West, how the pressure of that and the would you call it like an identity crisis or feel it like a pressure to choose either side? Like, how have you experienced that?
0: I think it's quite interesting because it does sometimes feel like, like I have a chapter exploring this in my book where, especially growing up, I'd be going out or whatever. And my mom, again, is really chilled. Like she's not at all the stereotype of what you think she's supposed to be or whatever. And she'd be like, we don't do these things when I'd ask her if I could go clubbing with my friends, or if I could have my boyfriend come over or whatever, she'd be like, We don't do these things. And I remember being like, Who the hell is we? You know, like who's this we that you've invented? Because actually I grew up here and and I'm part of this we, if 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 that's what you are kind of separating. Um, so I think that was quite interesting. But I think one of the main things that I really realized when I was writing this book is that I think as women, no matter where we're from, we are subject to so many expectations of like how we should look like we're supposed to be you know Florence Gibbons says something amazing where she's like women don't owe you pretty and I think it really made me realize like writing this that across the world there's all of these like ideals of how we're supposed to look or how we're supposed to behave you know where you find maybe in in Islam or in Muslim culture you're not supposed to lose your virginity before you get married and you're kind of you know, really told that you shouldn't do that and stuff. But then across the world, there's slut shaming. There's double standards of what is considered acceptable for a man and a woman and how they should behave. You know, women still do most of the housework across the world, um, things like that. And I think, yeah, it made me really realize that actually it's it's almost the same everywhere, just obviously to different extents and in different ways. And in each family, it might be different and stuff. But in the back of our minds there 's still this knowledge as women of what we 're supposed to be, I think
1: I remember you put on your Instagram the other week, like your mum read it and said, Oh, like this makes sense to me like i 'm a feminist based on what you 've said in the book, and I think when you when you talk about it in such a frank way like you just have you know questioning why we 're told to be certain things or why we 're not allowed to do certain things, I think that 's yeah a really powerful way to open up the conversation about again something that even in 2019 like isn't discussed enough amongst women that the the word feminism still has quite a negative con- like connotation and stigma as well i think
0: a hundred percent and i think that's what my mom was getting at when she said that because Every time, and even I used to say, I used to be like, I'm not a feminist, because what I thought it meant is like, I hate men, and oh, and I'm like, really ugly, and I burn bras, you know, all these stupid things of, of what the patriarchy essentially has told us feminism is in order to try get us not to kind of take part in it. But my, when my mom said that, it really made me realize like, yeah, we've all been brainwashed into thinking that to want equality for women is hating men and that's not at all the case like actually the patriarchy is is damaging men just as much well no, just as much as an overstatement but it's damaging men too they're not allowed to cry they're supposed to be super macho and all of these things which is not healthy like there's this crisis of masculinity now where men are committing suicide thanks to the patriarchy and the expectations placed on them so actually it's it's not good for anyone
1: and the only way that is going to change is if people have uncomfortable conversations about it
0: exactly a hundred exactly that and I think especially like especially writing the sex chapters I have a chapter on losing my virginity and a chapter on like just sex in general and those were so scary for me but I think that if we can't own our bodies and if we can't do what we want with our bodies then there is no equality that's ultimately what it, that's the first step I think in many ways really important to have these conversations even if and when we like are cringing on the inside sometimes to have to do it
1: yeah sometimes I'm talking about stuff on the internet and I'm like my dad listens to my podcast (laughs) and I'm just like oh but it's so important like we need to have have these conversations
0: (laughs) and I think that's partly what's so amazing about our generation is that we are you know so many of us are just like you know what I'm just gonna say what I want to say and do what I want to do and And talk about that and I I think it's so important because that's the only way that anything changes is by actually doing something about it. You can't just sit back and hope someone else does it for you and I think that's very much what our generation has realized.
1: I always think it's really interesting to ask women who sort of self-identify as a feminist if you could say, do you have a moment that you can remember Where you took that step back and thought, oh, like this isn't right. Or maybe if you had like a teacher or, you know, someone who was really influential in making you think about these things because not everyone is thinking about them.
0: I think it was sadly a lot more recent than that. And honestly, I look at some of the like younger, like teenagers and early 20s, and I'm just like, wow, you guys are so lucky that you had so many people to to kind of make you realize what you thought, if you know what I mean, because I feel like it was only when I started writing during, professionally as a journalist, and I started to read more and more kind of female writers. And I, I started to really delve further into this world as I started to write for more and more women's magazines. And I think it was really only then, that I started to be like, wow, women are amazing. Like As I started to see the stories that we tell about ourselves and about each other, that's when I really realized how amazing we are. And it sounds really sad to say that because it was very much overdue.
1: What is it like and what was it like being so open about like, what you're thinking, you It's like your personal development and your story, really. I I always am interested to hear from people who are so open about their lives on the Internet, essentially, and almost you're unpacking and you're growing as a woman. With your opinions and your beliefs around all of these quite heavy topics, what was it like being so public about that and obviously writing a book about it? That must have been a really like vulnerable, tricky thing to navigate.
0: I think it's funny because I've always been actually very open. Like, I remember I used to get bullied quite badly at school, Um, and I'd go to Egypt and I'd see my friends there, and I would like, Tell them all the stories, and I 'd laugh about it, and I would just kind of weave this story, even though I was so sad and I was really getting bullied, like they were horrible times. But I found a way to kind of make it into a story um, and laugh with my friends about it, and I think that was almost a very early way of kind of getting to grips with firstly being so open and vulnerable, and then at the same time realizing that in making it into a story. Not that I'm fictionalizing or anything, but I mean, in terms of just repeating it and kind of g- getting the, the, the crux of it out there to, to explain what was happening or to laugh at the, some of the ridiculous things that were happening or that was being, were being said to me. I think that was when I started to really understand the power of owning your own story and actually how, firstly, it can make you feel better that it's even happening or you can you can just get the lessons out of it and I think yeah from then I've kind of just it it just came as second nature to me it's not something weird it's not something that I'm like oh I'm gonna go on Instagram stories and like say this it's just really very natural whatever I want to say I usually just say it and sometimes I get in trouble but I think at the end of the day just seeing the response as well like there's so many young Arab women especially, but women from all cultures, sometimes will message me and they'll be like, God, this is exactly what I feel. Like, and I didn't have you know, the words to say it or I didn't really understand what it was until you said it or whatever. And all of that kind of gives me bravery as well because I know that I'm not just... And this is what I said to my parents when they were like, gosh, you're really, you know, letting it all out with your book. I was like, listen, I'm not just d- hanging out my dirty laundry for jokes, you know? Like this is... It's important because at the end of the day, firstly, I really believe that the world is changed by examples. And secondly, we all need to see the human and the vulnerable and, you know, all of these things in each other, because at the end of the day, we all have the same feelings and we all want the same things. Um, and it's, yeah, it's really important to talk about it. So for me, I don't even feel scared anymore. I just feel like, yeah, yeah this, is, this is what happens
1: that's your why I think when you have such a powerful why the other stuff just isn't as important like the fear or the being scared of what people think or whatever that might be
0: exactly because at the end of the day people are always going to have something negative to say people are always going to you know criticize whatever it is you're doing so you might as well really believe in it because then that doesn't matter
1: (laughs) can we talk about difficult conversations because I think this is like what we're talking about today is so important and I think there are so many people there are probably so many women listening who are passionate about these topics you know feminism equality making every woman feel you know accepted and like she can be herself and I think we need to be having more difficult conversations about race identity stigma stereotypes but I think a lot of people are still really shying away from that whether that's because they're scared of what people think they're scared to say the wrong thing Mm -hmm. they're scared to offend someone I think a lot of people still have that opinion of oh well you know, you just don't talk about that kind of thing. It's rude. It's like, it's not ladylike. It you don't bring up politics at the dinner table. That kind of
0: yeah. opinion.
1: What would you say about like? What are your thoughts on that? Because I think that's a really, that's been a real challenge for me in the past year is to put aside all of that and just talk about it. Because the fact that it needs to be talked about is more important than. Me being scared that I'm gonna say the wrong thing.
0: I think cancel culture at the moment is really counterproductive because people are just getting really worked up. And I understand, I understand why, because it's like when it's for so long people have been marginalized or you know, any of these things, and then now it's like doesn't need it's not that way anymore. And it's like, oh well, just just let us be how we are. And I think that's so understandable but at the same time I think there needs to be a little bit of kind of generosity. My friend has this term where it's generous assumption and I think it's very important for us to have generous assumptions in general especially right now when we shouldn't automatically assume that someone's being racist or being you know all of these things we should especially when it seems like they're really trying to understand because there's so many things now that are that are normal, thank God, which in our grandparents' age, it wouldn't be. So, and the only way that we're going to really understand the new language to use and the new, you know, all of these things is by being open and accepting and understanding that, of course, some people are, you know, really backward still, but most people, I would like to think, are really trying to understand. What would you say to any women listening who maybe
1: want to start a conversation with their friend or they want to ask their friend a question maybe their friend is muslim maybe their friend is a lesbian like what would you how do you approach and almost like bring up questions in those types of difficult conversations i would
0: say honestly just do it especially if it's a good friend they they should want to also help you understand because that's the turning point right now you know and I would say probably just say something like hey like I'm you know I'm really trying to to understand like how things work and you know what 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 would you what do you think about this or what are your suggestions of that like I hope that this is not offensive like I'm really just trying to to understand basically and I hope that you can help me in my understanding I want
1: to dive more into the stereotypes and stigma that specifically muslim women are still facing in the West. I think the political climate in both the UK and the US this is just a complete shit show. I'm sure most people will agree. Have you noticed a shift in that and your life and everyday life in terms of positive experiences, negative experiences?
0: There's this interesting um, there's an interesting saying or there's an interesting description that Nikesh Shukla had in The Good Immigrant, where he spoke about invisible immigrants. And I and my family are very much invisible immigrants, definitely invisible Muslims. Like people would not automatically assume that I'm in any of those things. So I think my viewpoint comes from a very different angle where, you know, I, I've heard stories, I know people who have had like their veils ripped off in the street and abuse shouted at them and all of that. And that is horrific and just never 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 okay um i think for me my own experiences are very different obviously because i've never had anything like that um what i'm kind of trying to to battle is the very reductive stereotypes more than anything else where there's such a narrow the fact that someone doesn't even think that i'm arab or muslim almost if you see what i mean yeah Because actually, just like with most religions and most cultures, there's, there's a whole spectrum of religious to not religious. You know, if you're a Christian, you can go to church all the time, or you could go on Easter or you could never go, but you wouldn't ever necessarily feel like you couldn't say, oh, I'm, I'm Christian, if you know what I mean. Um, whereas I think in Islam, there's such a narrow stereotype. Like I'm technically Muslim. My dad is technically Muslim. That's what I'm born into, and just because I don't you know pray or go like all the time or go to the mosque or whatever the the fact that I'm not at all considered that I think is quite dangerous because then it only leaves a very narrow window of of the very visible people, and everyone just automatically lumps everyone into that if if you know what I mean, I feel like there's a huge I can't remember the number right now but there's a huge population of of secular Muslims just like there is just like secularism is increasing all over the world in all religions and in all countries there's also a lot of secular Muslims like me and my family and many of my friends um and that's more that's more the angle that I'm kind of trying to combat I guess not even on purpose just by being myself because it's important to know that there's all sorts of different kinds of people and all sorts of different kinds of beliefs or non beliefs. And I think it's really dangerous and really reductive if we always narrow it down to just one thing that the media tells us.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. I, I was just thinking that exact same thing, and then you said it. I think people are so, people just really want to put, everyone into neat little boxes like a tick box of you are this you are not this and I've noticed it even in conversations about feminism as well the stereotype that a Muslim Muslim woman like you've said you know is veiled is like modest and therefore is not allowed to be a feminist or that the fact that a hijab is not feminist or um oppressive to women and i just think we're so quick to judge and we need to just ask more and talk because women are allowed to be whatever they want to
0: be and i think especially in relation to the hijab it's such a difficult one like there is this there's this um there's this quote that I have in my book, I can't remember exactly, but to paraphrase, it was basically saying that, you know, in, in Muslim majority countries, especially in ones where where you have to wear the hijab, like in Saudi Arabia, for example, that's a very different thing to, like by law, I mean, that's a very different thing to, to women in the West who actively choose to do it. So it's a completely they're very, they're two very different conversations. And I think that's almost what makes it so difficult and so tricky to maneuver because wh- what the quote was saying is for a liberal in the West it's a very different opinion that they would have to a liberal in in, in countries like Saudi Arabia and the Middle East because choice is such an important factor and I think that even there was Emily Ratajkowski was saying how people say that she's not a feminist because she's like often poses you know really uncovered or quite nude or quite naked a lot of the time and she was like that's my choice I feel powerful like that and I like that for me is not a problem and just because for a not an I'm a feminist is what is what she's saying and just because for someone else that might be that might be tying into the patriarchal notions of what beauty looks like that's on that's their opinion but mine is that I like this and it's not to to tie into the patriarchy it's nothing to do with that And I think that it's quite interesting. It comes down to choice at the end of the day. Like one one person's feminism is not another's and that should be fine.
1: Everyone is so unique. And I think if we just talk more about these things and the nuances and the fact that it isn't a tick box, it isn't a yes or no, black or white answer.
0: Exactly. And not with anger or judgment. Just kind of being like, okay, how interesting. We have different opinions, and just
1: that, you know. (laughs) I always think when people, like my belief in life is to obviously be yourself and speak your truth and live your authentic life. Mm -hmm. You're doing that online. You've wrote a book. You write some really like thoughtful articles. I'm assuming that you have to come up against a lot of dickheads or a lot of people who actively disagree with you and want to let you know about
0: it. You know, I'm actually quite lucky and I'm, I'm expecting it to happen when the book comes out. Um, I haven't really had that much abuse. I'm scared to say it cause I'm like, God, <laughs> I really don't want to jinx it. But so far, maybe cause I've really been like, I haven't really written anything other than my book in like two years So maybe, I don't know, I'm assuming that once the book, like my whole book is basically saying, let's be free. Like, let's do, if you want to have sex, have sex. If you don't want to have sex, don't have sex. If you want to, you know, go out, go out. Like whatever you want to do, do that as long as it's authentic to you. Um, So in my opinion, that's not anything shocking. I'm just saying that we should all be free. But for some people that probably will be shocking. Um, I think what is making me, not really care is because I think I'm right (laughs) so I'm like if you want to disagree with me and think that we shouldn't be free then gosh that's really sad for you basically but I'm all I'm saying is that we should all be whoever we want and I'm gonna stand by that.
1: If there are any women listening who feel like they're not being themselves they're not living their authentic life they're perhaps like diluting themselves and who they are to please other people
0: what would you say to them it's a really tricky one because obviously I'm very privileged that I can even do that and that my family still love me and that I'm not gonna like go to jail and that I'm you know what I mean like I think there's there's levels to this um there was a, a Lebanese girl I remember who who wanted to meet up with me a few months ago and she was she's a bit younger than me. And she was saying, you know, how do I get my parents to just let me be who I am? And I didn't really know what to say to her because for me, I fought my parents when I was much younger, but luckily they were already, like they were ready to come to my side, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm lucky because I still have them in my life. I think it's a really difficult one because you know, upsetting your family or the or your society or the people that you love for personal freedom is is a very difficult, if not impossible, choice to make. And you already have to be in some position of privilege to even risk that in a way. You know, in some countries, it's illegal to be gay. You know, you could go to jail. So I think it's it's a really difficult question to answer because. It really depends on your situation. Not to say that you should pretend to be something you're not, but there's different risks involved. So I wouldn't want to be like, fuck everyone, because it's not, it's not actually that simple a lot of the time. Um, but I think trying to come to grips with what it is you actually want, for starters, is the most important thing, because a lot of the time we don't even realize how deep the culture or the society at large has like infiltrated our our brains. Um, That was something that was really interesting for me when I was writing the book is I had to unpick a lot of that. Like, this is what I've been told. Do I actually believe that? And if so, then that's fine. Maybe I do and that's fine. But if I, if I don't believe that, then what do I do about that? Or how do, how do I live contrary to that? So I think it's also not about rebelling aimlessly. It's kind of really figuring out what do I want? Who am I? And living as authentically as you can to that.
1: Fantastic. Yeah. And having conversations
0: with your friends who you trust as well. And your family if you can. Yeah. I think that one of the main benefits for me of rebelling when I was younger is that it kind of also made my my family think like, oh, do I actually think that or is that just what my parents have told me you know what I mean it kind of it goes back really far I think you often just do what your what your parents did with you um and maybe moving abroad and and raising me and my brother in London also allowed especially my mom I think because my dad was already kind of chill Um, but it made my mom sort of be like wait what do I actually think because I think a lot of the time especially in in arab culture but i i think probably in a lot of cultures it's a lot of what's my neighbor gonna think or what's my aunt's cousin gonna think or you know you care a lot about what other people think it's not even always what you actually are worried about yourself if you know what i mean yeah um so i think unpicking that unpicking that is really important
1: So, these are the quick round questions that I ask every guest at the end of the podcast. So, put yourself first is all about empowering women to put themselves first and achieve their goals. And we've had such a great chat today about feminism and identity. And I hope everyone's gone away with, you know, maybe a different perspective or just something to think about. So, speaking about you and your everyday life and how you look after yourself. Uh, Question one is what is your go-to self-care
0: ritual? Reading. Um, I have, I I leave my phone in the other room when I sleep at night and I wake up in the morning. I write in my gratitude diary and I read for 40 minutes every single morning. And that is the most thing that feels like self-care because it just gives me something before the day starts. And it sets me up so nicely to deal with whatever the day brings.
1: I love that. What are you reading at the moment?
0: I've actually just finished. Um, I read a book and then a magazine and then a book and then a magazine, basically. And I've just finished Zainab Sel- Selby's Freedom as an Inside Job, which is amazing. Actually, I would very, very much recommend it. Amazing.
1: I'll check it out. Question two is: What is challenging you to leave your comfort
0: zone recently? Hmm, what is challenging me to leave my comfort zone? Honestly, I think the knowledge that people are really gonna <laughs> read my book now. <laughs> uh, I've I think I put that aside for a long time when I was writing. I didn't think of what people were gonna think. So now, just yeah, just letting it go and just it doesn't belong knowing that it doesn't belong to me anymore it belongs to the readers now Is probably my biggest challenge at the moment
1: that's really scary and exciting at the same time next question is what are your goals for the rest of this year going into 2020
0: um my goals i think one to sort of cherish the moment a bit more i'm always thinking about The next thing to do or you know new projects and I I am working on a few new projects which I'm very excited about but I want to also just calm the fuck down and like just enjoy the process of the book coming out and you know just all that comes with that basically I want to give myself a bit of a pat on the back I think instead of rushing forwards
1: absolutely that's so important and that I I cannot even imagine like what it takes from you as a as a person like your energy like everything to write a book and put it out into the world so yeah you definitely need some like chill reading time (laughs) can you share with us a favorite resource that you are loving recently and this could be related to what we've talked about today or just something that you really like
0: I love Trello. I talk about Trello all the time with my friends. they are like, are you all right? Uh, it's just such a good way of organizing your list, your thoughts. Your, I actually used it very much to write my book. I, had, I, I kind of put all my notes in there, everything I wanted to say, had its own little, little chapter on the board. Um, I, yeah, I think it's really good for any project, basically. So love Trello. I think they should pay me. <laughs> cool. I, I think I've checked that one. I use a sauna. No, oh, I never knew. It's of
1: like that. I think it's very similar, but yeah, gotta have all those ideas out of my brain, otherwise I just won't be able to sleep was, ever.
0: It's really helpful to see it all laid out and stuff as well. It's so good for organizing, I think.
1: Last but not least, um, where can people go to follow you online and tell us more once again about your book? and where people can
0: get it. So I'm at aliamuro, A-L-Y-A-M-O-O-R-O on Twitter and Instagram. I also have a blog, although I haven't written on it in a very long time, aliamuro.com. And um, you can pre-order my book now. It's actually available on Amazon First Reads in the UK and in Australia, which means that you can get it right now um, on Kindle for free or paperback for a discounted price otherwise it is available as of October 1st officially um, so it's called The Greater Freedom Life as a Middle Eastern Woman Outside the Stereotypes.
1: I'll link it in the show notes as well so everyone can order their copy. Amazing! I've got mine coming in the post today and I can't wait to read it.
0: I'm so excited to hear what you think.
1: I will let you know I'm really excited to dig into it. Thank you so much Alia for speaking with me today and sharing your story I think yeah as i've said we need to be having more conversations like this and i'm just really grateful for women like you sharing your story and having these starting these conversations and breaking down these taboos online to benefit you know generations to come
0: thank you so much for having me it's given me a lot of food for thought as well so i really enjoyed it oh you're welcome
1: and thank you guys so much for listening if you have any thoughts or takeaways like i said if you have if you've had like a whole new perspective or you've just, you know, got a really interesting thing to add to the conversation, you can, um, message us on social media. If anyone wants to chat with you one-on-one, can they DM you on Instagram?
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to Put Yourself First. If you enjoyed it or you have any feedback, I would love you to leave me a rating and review wherever you're listening to this and if you'd like to reach out to me on social media to let me know you enjoyed it or just have a chat and say hi I'm at cat underscore horrocks on twitter and instagram and if you're feeling extra kind share this on to a friend who you know needs to hear this one too